Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a community reels after the senseless murder of a young woman. It's very difficult to let a mom and a dad know that their daughter has been killed. It was a horrendous tear in the fabric of our life. The victim has no known enemies. Her murder defies explanation. There was really no context for it. It was really a complete mystery. Hundreds of suspects emerge, but for years, there are no arrests. Nothing about this case was another day at the office. It was complex, it was challenging. Ultimately, old-fashioned detective work and a little bit of art expose a killer hiding in plain sight. Science was there, science was there from the beginning. Most residents of Agawam, Massachusetts, will tell you it's an ideal place to raise a family. The community has always been great. Great schools, great activities for the kids. A warm place. Warm place with wonderful people. The Ziegert family raised three girls and a boy in the town. Their second child, Lisa, was determined to follow in her parents' footsteps and once married, planned to raise a family close to home. She could have changed her mind, but she loved being close enough to be able to pop in and say, hey, mom, can I borrow your shoes? (laughs) Uh, You know, or something like that. Or can I do some wash? You know, it's, I think she loved the closeness, yet the independence. Lisa had a degree in education and was working as a teacher's aide. To make some extra money, she took a job at a card shop called Brittany's in a local strip mall. She loved it because she loved people. Lisa worked nights and weekends, and her hours meant she almost always worked alone. Four days before Easter in 1992, she was working her usual five to nine shift when a customer entered the store to find it empty, but with the door open and all the lights on. Police say the customer called out and got no answer. The next morning, a worker found the store unlocked. It hadn't been closed up from the night before. At 9 a.m., the door was open, lights were on, Lisa's car was in the front, in the parking lot, and all of her personal belongings were still inside of Brittany's card shop. Lisa was too responsible. She would have never left that store unsecured. She would have never left until 9 o'clock. Officers searched the premises 
and were alarmed by what they found. We went into the back room and there was boxes on the floor that had been obviously pressed down, like somebody had been on top of them. Slight blood spattering on some of those boxes. There was also blood spattering on a few of the greeting cards that were on a stand just outside the door to that particular closet or back room. The signs were ominous. All that was missing from the store was Lisa. Investigators searched the surrounding area and found nothing. Everyone had fingers crossed. The community would organize searches, you know, for her. If you didn't live under a rock, everyone heard about the Lisa Zeger disappearance. There was never a time that they weren't out looking for her, searching for her, and we had faith that we would find her and she would be okay. Days passed. Lisa's deeply Catholic family hoped for the best and prepared for the worst. Easter Sunday arrived, and still there was no sign of her. We went to Mass at our church where we attended every Sunday. The whole family and a large group of friends came with us to Mass. It was good to be there. It was good to be there. It was a, it was a peace. But any hopes for Lisa's safe delivery were dashed a few hours later. Her body was found in a wooded area about three miles from the store where she was last seen. I'm trying to think of the best way to say the word dead. And uh, I got there and uh, walked up and Dee was waiting at the door. And I explained it to her and uh, just went from there. Wayne Macy, our wonderful dear, wonderful friend, Wayne Macy came to the door by himself. I went to the door and I looked at him and I said, just by his face, you found her, didn't you? And he went, yeah, we did. And I said, she's dead, isn't she? The tragedy stunned this normally quiet, peaceful town. And as details of Lisa's murder emerged, Outrage gave way to outright terror. In my 20 years of being a crime reporter, it was one of the most savage, depraved, almost bestial assaults that I've covered. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Because she had clearly struggled for her life, the scene of Lisa Ziegert's murder was littered with evidence. She was found partially clad. Her upper body clothes had been pulled down and she had numerous stab wounds, uh, the major one being across her neck. Police had really a trove of information. Forensic material was found, you know, spread out maybe, you know, by 20 or 30 or 40 yards in this area. So police really had a large scene with which to work. But no murder weapon, apparently a knife, was found. Even in 1992, investigators understood that genetic evidence from this scene and from Lisa's rape kit would be key. In Massachusetts, DNA evidence wasn't even admissible in court for years, but investigators knew that day was coming. Even though we couldn't put a name to that DNA, we felt that eventually the individual that committed this crime, that his DNA would, would eventually match with the sample that we had. In 1992, DNA criminal databases didn't even exist. So detectives turned to old-fashioned police work to expose who their DNA profile might belong to. First off, they had a rock-solid time frame for when Lisa was kidnapped from the card shop. The last person in the store was there at 820. A purchase was made, and she left. Another witness entered the store around 9 o'clock to find the lights on and no one there. So the abduction almost certainly happened within that 40-minute window. Another possible lead? A fresh set of tire tracks found near Lisa's body. The officers made a mold of the tire tracks. We took those back to the lab to be analyzed. They were Cooper tires. The combination of tires on this vehicle was so distinctive, detectives were able to comb through sales records at local dealerships and track down the driver of the vehicle. We brought him in for questioning, and he went home and brought back with him pictures of that vehicle. At the crime scene, three days prior to Lisa being killed, where he was four-wheeling with his friends, and that particular lead turned out to be of no significance. Another witness said they remembered seeing a Bronco SUV in the area where the body was found around the time of Lisa's murder. This prompted a local woman to contact police. A woman called and said, my then boyfriend, who is ex-military, has a fixation with knives and has a Bronco or a type of vehicle like that that they were looking for. Moreover, he came home around the time of the murder and there was blood on the inside of his truck and the dashboard had been kicked in. Detectives tracked him down. He said he'd sold the vehicle. To see if this was true, it was traced halfway around the world. And it ended up going to New York City. And then from New York City, a car dealer there sold it to somebody in St. Petersburg, Russia. European countries do a big business in four-wheel drive vehicles that are exported from our country. Investigators in Massachusetts reached out to analysts overseas to have the SUV examined. We got in touch with Interpol, and they went over the car as best they could and uh, did not come up with anything. Detectives found themselves taking some unconventional approaches, even employing psychics and hypnotizing people, like this woman, who may have seen something connected to the murder. Take a deep breath. 
Investigators really turned over every stone and over the years tried every possible tactic. But traditional and non-traditional methods turned up nothing. The case went cold, not for lack of evidence, but because no match could be made to the high-quality DNA profile from the crime scene. But a troubled marriage ended up solving that problem. To this day, nearly every long-term resident of Agawa, Massachusetts, remembers the shock of Lisa Ziegert's murder. Lisa Ziegert's murder, abduction, and rape threw the entire town for a loop. Some of the young waitresses, their parents wouldn't let them go to work. There were gyms that were um, offering self-defense classes for women. It just completely preoccupied the town. Anthony Galuni, the area's future district attorney, who would help put the case on the front burner in 2016, vividly recalls how it affected the town. So in 1992, around the time of Lisa's murder, I was 12 years old. Agawam was gripped by this awful tragedy that involved an innocent, beautiful, talented, intelligent young woman. All this attention was both good news and bad news for investigators. Everyone wanted to help. Tips poured in. Some were viable, many were not. These people actually thought they were helping us. So therefore, I think I know something. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna call the police. I'm gonna give them a tip. My cousin, my ex-boyfriend, my uh, ex-father-in-law, wh whatever it may be. In reviewing the files, detectives looked at, among many others, a tip from 1993. A woman said she was sure her ex-husband did it. She was accusing him because he seemed to be preoccupied with the TV whenever the news would come on, and uh, he would be watching it and talking about it with his friends all the time. His name was Gary Shera. He still lived in Agawam, and when he heard that his ex-wife called police, he called them too. He stated that he had heard from his wife and a number of other people that he was a suspect in the Lisa Ziegert homicide, and he wanted to know if that was true. And I told him, I don't talk about those things on the phone, but I'd like to speak with him. But on the advice of his lawyer, Shara stopped contact with police. And Shara's accuser had her own issues, which threw doubt on this tip. Gary's wife was an alcoholic. She was depressed. Just so many things going on with her. This turned out to be just one of hundreds of potential leads that went into a file that got bigger by the year. At one point, they were focused in on a man because he had been kidnapping and raping women in gift and card shops in states including Virginia and Pennsylvania and I think Maryland. And they thought they had the guy because how many times are you gonna get a serial rapist and kidnapper who focuses in on women who work in card shops? No suspects panned out, but investigators still had their key piece of evidence a full genetic profile of Lisa Ziegert's killer. When this crime occurred in 1992, there was no such thing as a national DNA database or a local DNA database. Basically, this case spans the history of DNA testing. The DNA profile was repeatedly entered into state, national, and even international databases, which grew larger and larger every year. 
Prosecutors estimated that worldwide, the DNA from the Ziegert case was tested against more than 16 million profiles, but still no matches. That led me to looking at people who may have died, somebody who never had to provide a DNA sample. Or Lisa's killer could still be alive and never repeated this crime, something very unusual for a sexually motivated killer. No one had an explanation. And as the years ticked by, even the most optimistic investigators feared Lisa Ziegert's killer would never be brought to justice. This was a particularly brutal and egregious crime. How could somebody commit a crime like this and have done it only once? After more than 20 years, teams of detectives could not put a face to the DNA profile from Lisa Ziegert's murder. It was frustrating, frightening. I worried for my other children, of course. That's your first, your first concern. You have two other daughters. You worried for them. With nothing panning out, investigators turned to a newly developed, cutting-edge way to use DNA developed by a company called Parabon Nanolabs. These forensic pioneers harnessed the power of computers to the vast DNA databases growing worldwide. They've developed a program they call Snapshot. We think of Snapshot as a genetic witness, so it's essentially stepping in when there isn't a human witness to give the detective a description. Snapshot isolates a host of observable genetic characteristics called phenotypes. Things like ethnicity, even hair and eye color. The phenotype is just a trait, so a person's eye color phenotype could be blue or something like that. So we have an unknown person, we have their DNA, can we predict what their eye color should be based on their DNA? The problem in this case was that so much time had passed, and it's here that science and art came together age is not encoded in the DNA. Snapshot predicts someone's appearance at age 25. We do have a forensic artist on staff, a certified forensic artist. Parabon released two images. The first approximated what Lisa's killer looked like in 1992. The second was a forensic artist's educated guess at what he'd looked like more than 20 years later. It really proved to be I think a turning point for our case, it was also a turning point in the forensic history of the case. One suspect on the narrow down list of suspects was Gary Shera. He was one of 11 men, all of whom, for a variety of reasons, refused to surrender any genetic material. We are not allowed to force somebody to give us their DNA. It's their constitutional right to refuse it. Gary Shera actually told me that he was afraid of cloning. He was adamant he refused. To, to give us his DNA. Gary Shera also seemed well aware of the power of DNA evidence. In 2008, detectives recorded their third encounter with him. He stayed um, a noticeable difference away from the table, wouldn't put his hands on the table, wouldn't take a drink out of the bottled water they provided for him. Did you have any, any kind of uh, memorabilia or anything like that, newspaper articles or anything about Lisa's murder? Did it? 
In retrospect, it looks pretty sketchy. Sketchy for sure, but still not enough to force Shara or any suspect to surrender DNA. So prosecutors sought help from the courts. We decided that we were going to take a chance on an infrequently used legal tactic by way of a grand jury investigation and ultimately present the information we had to the grand jury and then get the court's authorization to compel that person to provide a DNA profile. The court ruled there was enough probable cause with these 11 men to force them to provide their DNA. Trooper Noah Pack went to tell Gary Shera of the court's decision. Shera wasn't home. I asked Gary's roommate to let Gary Shera know that uh, the state police had some important paperwork to serve him. I gave his roommate a copy of my business card and I said, have him call me. Shara was found in a nearby hospital after a failed suicide attempt. His DNA matched the DNA recovered from Lisa Ziegert's crime scene. I thought, you're married, you have a child, and you do this to another young woman? What kind of a monster are you? Forensic technology had progressed a lot during this case. One of the images created by Parabon bore a remarkable resemblance to old photos of Gary Shera. And when this photo came up on my computer, I thought, well, look at that. I thought the likeness was pretty stunning. In 2019, Shara pled guilty and was sentenced to life without parole. Investigators believe he'd become fixated with Lisa after buying a music box from the card store, an item later found with his belongings more than 20 years later. Knowing Lisa worked alone, prosecutors believe he waited until no one else was in the store, forced her into a back room, and overpowered her. He got her into his car and took her to the woods, where he assaulted and then killed her. In a twist that still baffles investigators, he apparently never committed another act of criminal violence. But alert detectives knew Lisa's killer had left his genetic calling card behind and made sure that the vital DNA evidence was not destroyed. So even 20 plus years after the collection of this material and the discovery of Lisa's body, we really had a lot to work with. I am hoping that Lisa's case will convince people that this is the way to go. This is the way that you can solve this case. Please, you know, use it. And please remember this adorable five foot two, eyes of blue, curly brown hair, young woman who wanted to make a difference in this world. Bright, beautiful, loving human being who made our lives better and continues to. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. 
That's A-N-G-I dot com.